Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter. Well, Easter is a day when we remember the resurrection of Jesus and celebrate its meaning for us. Once again, Easter is a day when we remember the resurrection of Jesus and celebrate its meaning for us. Or, just using the words of Jesus, this is what he says, very simply, John 14, 19, because I live, you also will live. Because I live, you also will live. This is the Easter message. It's a message of life. Jesus' life and the life that we now all receive through faith in him. Sounds like a simple message, right? Because I live, you also will live. But I would guess that most of us here, whether you're Christian or non-Christian, we're probably misunderstanding what Jesus is saying. And the reason why I say this is because even during Jesus' time, when Jesus walked the earth and as he was teaching and talking to uh, his followers and the people around, they were constantly misunderstanding what Jesus was saying. They were confused. They didn't really get it. As Jesus talked about this life that he has, he says, I have come to give you life. The people just didn't understand what Jesus was really saying. You know, recently I went to Home Depot uh, because I had one of those uh, DIY projects, right? Do it yourselves, right? Uh, and they say you can do it yourself, so I thought I could, right? And so I went, did a little bit of research, but I went. I went to Home Depot uh, and I went to look for an employee because employees are supposed to help, right? That's how they're portrayed in the commercials, right? You know, Home Depot is supposed to be filled with these employees, and you're supposed to ask them, and they're all professionals. They have tons of knowledge, and they're supposed to point you all in the right direction, right? That's what the commercial says, right? And so I went, you know, looked look for someone to help me, and, you know, one thing you have to know about me, and I'm sure most of you are like this too, but, you know, I, I really don't know much. I don't know anything about, you know, home improvement or just doing these projects, working with uh, my hands. And because I don't know anything, um, I don't know nouns. Right? I don't know nouns. I don't know what things are called. And so I just use a lot of adjectives. Right? I say, you know, you know the thing that looks like this? It's shaped like this. You know, and, and I use prepositions or adverbs like it's next to this, right? And it functions in this way. It comes in this color. You know, so you know, you know, you know what that is, right? And you know, I start explaining and the employee's like, oh, what you need is a flush valve gasket. And I'm like, yes, yes, that. That's what I need. That's what I need, right? You know, and he's pointing me in the direction, and I start explaining my situation. He's like, all right, listen, you need a couple of tools, okay? You need a long nose plier, you need an adjustable wrench, and you need thick, pliable wires. You have all those things, right? I'm like, of course. I mean, who doesn't have thick, pliable wires? And I'm off to the side Googling thick, pliable wires. What is this, right? You know, every time I go to Home Depot and I ask an employee for help, I, I, I tend to feel lost. You know, they, they talk as if I know their lingo, and, you know, everything is just, for some reason, everything is in fractions, right? I need a quarter-inch this, you know, five-eighths this, and I'm like, what is all this? And they're talking to me, and, and though they explain it to me well, uh, sometimes I get confused. I leave thinking, okay, I think I know what I'm going to do, or I have to do, but then I leave and I just... I just don't know. I'm confused. And that's why you, you keep going back to Home Depot, right? You make like four or five trips to Home Depot to do one project. And I, and I would suspect something like that happens on Easter with the resurrection. 
Right? We come to church, you know, we hear of Jesus' resurrection, yeah, and you know, we sort of get the gist of it, but when we leave, we're like, hmm, what is that? What is that? And this morning, I'm hoping that through the work of the Holy Spirit, we can truly understand and appreciate what Jesus was saying about this life that he now has to give to us. Now, some of you may already have it. Some of you may be searching. But at least through the work of the Spirit, we'll all have clarity this morning. We'll all know what Jesus is offering. And so we'll look to John 11, today's passage. This is the setting. Jesus is on his way to the town of Bethany because a close friend of his, Lazarus, has died. Now, back at home, at Lazarus' home, his sister, Martha, hears that Jesus is coming, and so she runs out to meet him. And here are the first words out of her mouth. She says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There is no, hey, Jesus, how was your journey? Or thank you so much for coming. Immediately she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. There's a little passive aggressiveness in this, I think. Um, and I thought, mm, maybe I should translate this or just make it more direct. You know, put it through the passive-aggressive translator, right? And to see what Jesus is, or to see what Martha's really saying. And I think Martha's saying something like this. She's saying, you could have done something, but you didn't. Okay. Or something like this. She says, Jesus, you're partially responsible for what happened. Okay. okay. This is what Martha is saying. She's angry, she's upset at Jesus, saying, you could have done something, but you didn't. Okay, this is a little more direct. Or, you know, I thought, why don't I make it more passive-aggressive, right? Make the statement even more passive-aggressive, because that's how some of us understand, right? Many of us are passive-aggressive, and we, we, we speak that language. And so, you know, I think Martha can say something like this. Where were you? Right? Where were you? You know, we ask, where were you? Not because, you know, we want to know where they were, but it's, you should have been here, right? Or something like this, late much, right? Late much? For those of you OCD people out there, I made sure it's a nice, perfect, upside-down triangle for you guys. But Martha is saying this. You know, you could have done something, but you didn't. You're responsible. Where were you? You know, Martha is upset at Jesus, and rightfully so, because before Lazarus passed away, Martha actually sent a messenger to Jesus, and she urged him, hey, you have to come quickly. But Jesus, always marching to the beat of his own drum, he decides, hey, you know what, I'm going to delay. You know, Martha knows that Jesus was a busy man, but Lazarus wasn't just anybody. He wasn't anybody to Jesus. Lazarus was a close friend, and Martha... She is rightfully upset. But Martha, after voicing her frustration, saying, Jesus, where were you? She says this. This is her next statement. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. What is Martha saying here? Well, let me tell you what she is not saying. She's not saying this. She's not saying... I know Lazarus is dead, but I still believe you can raise him. That's not what Martha is saying, okay? Nowhere in Martha's mind is she thinking that Jesus can or is going to raise the dead, 
Okay? We know this because later on when Jesus goes to the tomb and tells the people, roll the stone away, Martha says, no. She says, it's been four days, there's a stink. Okay? Essentially saying, no, don't do that. Okay? So Martha doesn't have in her mind that Jesus is going to raise the dead. But what she's saying with this statement, even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God would give you, Jesus is saying, uh, Martha is saying this. She's saying, you know, I know I got the short end of the stick, okay? I know I got the short end of the stick, but you know what? I still believe in you, Jesus, okay? She's saying, I still believe that you're sent by God and you have the power to heal the sick. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case for me, okay? I didn't profit from that in any way, but I still believe in you, Jesus. That's what she's saying. Martha is the classic good older sister. She's responsible, she's level-headed, and even though she's upset and disappointed at Jesus, she's rational and she doesn't let her emotions overtake her. She says, I still believe in you. Even though you didn't do it for me, even though you didn't come through, I believe in you. Now, what does Jesus say to this? Jesus says this, your brother will rise again. To which Martha replies, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Now, I have to explain this response a bit. This response is a really good Jewish answer. Okay? The Old Testament Jews believed in the resurrection of the dead. So, in the face of sickness and death, a good, faithful, Torah-abiding Jew would say, I believe that this person will rise again in the last day. It's a good answer. But you know, there are times, there are times when our theology and truth become so commonplace that our profession of it becomes trite and stale. Right? We call these things Christian platitudes, right? Things like, trust in God, or things like, Jesus will take care of it, or things like, hey, don't worry, just pray, right? They're all true, but when the heart is hardened, they're just cliche. They sound like Christian bumper stickers, right? And I think that's what's going on with Martha here. Jesus consoles her. He comforts her, saying, your brother will rise again, and Martha says, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I know that. She's like, yeah, you know, I know. I was in Sunday school too, you know, Jesus. In fact, I was probably the better student. You, Jesus, always the vagabond, doing what you want to do, free-spirited, always questioning authority. You know, I was a good student. I was in Sunday school. I know, Jesus. I know that my brother will rise in the last day. And you know what Jesus says? You know what Jesus says to this profession? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. You get it? There's something strange going on here. Mar Martha says, I know my brother will rise in the last day. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You're misunderstanding. I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, Jesus is saying this. Everything that you are looking forward to in the future Everything that you are looking forward to in the last day, that resurrection day, that is me. That life that you are looking forward to and hoping in, that is here because I'm here. 
Now, Jesus has a funny way of talking because right now Martha is talking about an event. They're talking about a day. They're talking about something that's supposed to happen in the future, right? It's an event. But Jesus says, no, that's me. That's me. What is Jesus saying here? Well, this starts to make more sense if we really think about the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And I'm going to ask for you to follow along here because this is really important. Okay. This is how we ought to understand the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. At the cross, what goes on is that Jesus, he puts to death not just our sins and our old selves, but at the cross when Jesus dies, he puts to death all of sin-fallen creation. He puts to death all of the old created order. And when Jesus dies and he rises again three days later in his resurrection from the dead, as Jesus rises to this newness of life, what Jesus is doing is he's not just resurrecting from the dead as a single person, but Jesus is now through his resurrection ushering in a new beginning, a new creation. That's why Jesus is often called the second Adam. He's called the second Adam because he's the first man of the new creation. Now, this is made explicitly all throughout the New Testament, especially in Paul, but we have hints of this in John, in the gospel before us. You know, Jesus is crucified on the sixth day, right? The sixth day, which is Friday. And as Jesus stands before Pilate, Pilate declares in John 19, 5, Behold the man, okay, eke homo, that famous Latin saying, behold the man. Behold the man. When Pilate echoes that, he is, when Pilate speaks that, he is echoing the creation of mankind on the sixth day in Genesis 1. Right? And Jesus goes to the cross on the sixth day, right, on Friday, and as he finally, you know, accomplishes the work that God has called him to do, what does he say? He utters, it is finished. It's complete. The same thing that God says on the sixth day after he finishes all of creation, it is complete. It's finished. It's done. Then what happens? There is the seventh day, which is the Sabbath. As God rests on that seventh day, so also Jesus is in the grave. There is silence. There is darkness. There is rest. And on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, she comes to the tomb early in the morning, and what happens? She sees Jesus resurrect. And that resurrection signals for us the start of a new creation. This new creation that Jesus ushers in with this resurrection is a creation that's no longer bound to sin and death. Jesus' resurrected life isn't characterized by weakness, frailty, decay, perishment, sin, as the old creation was. But Jesus' resurrected life is characterized by glory, by immortality, by power. This is why Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha says, no, I believe that my brother will rise in the last day. And Jesus says, says, no, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, in my resurrection, 
the life of the age to come, everything that you are looking forward to in the future, that last day is now brought back into the present. It's brought forward into the present. In other words, Jesus is saying everything that you were hoping for and looking towards, it is now enjoyed in the present. It's possessed in the present. You know, theologians have a way of, you know, making fancy names for everything, right? And theologians have this really fancy term. It's called realized eschatology. In other words, everything about that last day has been now realized in Jesus' resurrection. If I can give you an illustration to, to help us think about this, it's like this, right? You know, you ever wait in line uh, somewhere at like the DMV or the airport or uh, Costco's, right? You wait in line at Costco's, right? Especially during the holidays, these lines are so long. You know, people have shopping cart full of goods, right? They just go around, pick up anything, right? Thinking, oh, it's not gonna be here next week. You know, just gotta buy it, right? Costco, Costco, right? And you know, you're waiting online and just, it's just packed lines and the lines are curving, right? And you're, you're standing there and you're like, oh my goodness, when am I going to get out of here? Right? And you're standing online, you're like, oh my, this is gonna take forever. But then, there's a line, this cashier, that just opens up. Right, you know that feeling, right? And you're sort of eyeing it, right? Oh. And then the cashier doesn't say anything. He or she just gives you that nod. <laughs> just says, and what do you do? Immediately, that 30-minute that line, you just zoom right in and you go right to the front. Right? It's this unexpected realization of a future event. It's something that was supposed to happen way in the future is actually realized in the present. That's what the resurrection of Jesus is. The resurrection of Jesus propels us forward to the last day. In the resurrection of Jesus, the new creation has dawned. It has come now in his resurrection. And now if you believe in him, you have that life now. You have eternal life now. You have resurrection life now. You know, the resurrection of Jesus is telling us that death, death is not the end. Death is not even a break. The resurrection of Jesus tells us that we don't go from life to death to rest, but we simply go from life to life. In other words, the resurrection of Jesus tells us that the life we now possess, the life that we have now, is the same life we will live and possess whether we are in the body or not, whether we are in this world or not. You know, you think about Lazarus, right? Lazarus was this man who was raised. He died, in, you know, very early, but he was raised. Jesus raised him. But you know Lazarus was going to die again. Imagine being on your deathbed twice. But you know, the second time was actually different. We're not sure when Lazarus passed, probably at a later age, but when Lazarus passed the second time, because of Jesus, who was the resurrection and the life, 
Lazarus knew that he wasn't going from life to death, but he knew he was simply going from life to life. That's why Jesus says this. It's an interesting statement. He says this. That's why I'm the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. It's a weird statement. Jesus, what are you saying? But he is ultimately saying, because I am the resurrection and the life. Everything that you had hoped for in the future is now realized in the present. And this eternal life is now yours. If you believe in me, though you die, you will live. And everyone who lives will never die. See, if you have been united with Jesus in his death, you are united with him in his resurrection. And the life that you live now is a life that you will live eternally. Now, I think this ought to correct a lot of misconceptions. Okay? And I, I, I would like to close with this. This, this, clo- this uh, corrects a lot of misconceptions. First, first misconception. I think Christians are a lot like Martha. Right? Some of you are, I think, a lot like Martha, sometimes including myself. Right? What do we think? We think, well, you know what? I got the short end of the stick. Jesus, you weren't good to me in any way, but I still believe in you. Right? We have this attitude that, you know what? I hear all these stories of what you've done and how good you are, but you know what? Me, that hasn't been the case. But you know what? I still believe. I'm just not fortunate. You know, when Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life, Jesus is not just the resurrection and the life for Lazarus. But he's the resurrection and the life for Martha, too. You know, I find it interesting that this is what Jesus does, right? Jesus asks her, after all of this, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, though you die, you shall live. And you will never die. After Jesus says this, you know what he asks Martha? Do you believe? Do you believe this? You know, when right before this statement, it was Martha who said, yeah, I know that you are the son of God. You know, I know that, you know, God will give you whatever you ask. Yeah, I believe. She actually made a profession. She professed faith in Jesus. But after Jesus says this, he says, now do you believe? Jesus finds her confession earlier to be lacking. And he wants to know if Martha believes that he is the resurrection and the life for her. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life for you? You know, I I, I find this to be true for a lot of Christians, right? We know what's in the Bible. Yes, we know what's true. We can confess it, though it be sometimes trite and stale. We see it's true for others. But for us, we think, you know what? Eh. I got the short end of the stick. Jesus is asking you. He's asking you individually. He's asking you personally. Do you believe? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life for you? You know, another way, the second point, or a second misconception, another way that Christians can be like Martha, or people can be like Martha, is that we misunderstand the life that Jesus gives, right? We think that, yes, when Jesus gives us resurrection life, we think that it's a life that is in the future. The resurrection that Jesus gives, this life that he gives, 
is often deprived of any benefit in the present. The resurrection life of Jesus that he gives is stripped of its power in the here and now. And I suspect that many of us here are like that. You think, yeah, you know, I know that Jesus gives me eternal life. Yes, I know that when I die, I, you know, I will, you know I'll, I'll live again. I know the, that I will be rise, risen again from the dead. But for now, this life that I live here on earth, I've just got to go on living this crummy life. And Jesus is challenging that. You know, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus speaks not of the future, but of the present. The life that Jesus gives through his resurrection is not something that is on layaway. It's here and now. And for Christians, those of you united to Jesus, the life that you live now and the life that you will live when you pass it is qualitatively the same life. It is the same eternal life. We go from life to life. The third thing that I just want to briefly talk to you about is this. For those of you who are exploring or not yet sure, for those of you who are not yet sure who Jesus is and are questioning, what does Jesus have to offer for me now? If you're thinking, you know, what does Jesus mean for me now in the here and now? I think today's message will speak clearly to you. Faith in Jesus is not a life insurance policy. It's not something that, you know what, I don't need it now, but when I die, I'm going to need it. Faith in Jesus is not life insurance. But Jesus, when he says, I have come to give you life, I have come that you may have eternal life, he's speaking of a life now. He's speaking that he will give you this resurrection life now. See, this life that he offers is a life where your death has already occurred at the cross. You have already died with Jesus at the cross. And it was a death where your sins were fully atoned for. And in Jesus' resurrection... He has imparted to you a new life. He has ushered in a new creation that's not bound by anything from the old creation. He has given to us a new life, freed from sin, free from the sting of death. This is why Jesus has come. That is why he has died. That is why he rose again, so that anyone who is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. And this is what, I, what I'd like to correct for all of us here this morning. We think that, yes, resurrection life is something later on. Eternal life is something when I pass. This, for now, I just got to live this crummy old life. You know that meme, I'm dead inside, right? You feel like you're dead inside. But Jesus is saying, no, this life that I give because I have rose again, this life is now yours. We have already died, and we have rose again, and we are in Christ a new creation. The life that you live now is your resurrected eternal life. Let me just close with just a couple of illustrations. 
Uh, some of you may know, but uh, we, as a church, uh, we support a number of missionaries. But one of, our, one of the missionaries that we support is someone by the name of Grace Chung. Grace Chung. She's serving in Bulgaria right now. And uh, Grace had a husband. His name was Brian. Brian passed away about seven, eight years ago. And uh, I was actually classmates with Brian. We graduated together. Now, a few years before Brian passed, his father had passed away. And after the funeral, you know, he, was, uh, he called you know, all those who attended and his fellow classmates, and he thanked them, and he was sort of sharing with uh, his friends about his father. He shared that his father had believed in Jesus at a much later age. His father came to faith in Jesus at a, at a much older age. But he talked about how his faith was sincere, how his faith was genuine. Before his father passed away, he actually called all of his family members together. And he told them, hey, when I pass, don't be sorrowful. Don't grieve, don't be sad. And he said these words, we believe in the resurrection. And he told his family members, conduct yourselves as such. I have not died, but I'm going to be with my Lord. I'm going from life to life. My wife's grandfather also passed away a few weeks ago. He was very old. And he said almost the same thing. He said to his family members, don't cry. Don't be sad. I'm going from life to life. The moment I depart from my body, he said, the moment I leave my body, I'm going to be with my Lord. My last day on earth will be my first day in heaven. This is how we met his death. You know, we have to ask the question, as just humans, how is it that people who are facing death People where death is so imminent, how these people can be filled with so much life. When they know that death is looming, how can people be filled with life? It's because these people understood that they were already in possession of eternal life in the present. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't, you know, if I die, will it eventually come to me? Will I eventually attain it? No, they believed that they were living eternal life in the present. They were already living resurrected lives in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, Jesus says to us this morning on Easter of 2018, I am the resurrection and the life. Not later on, I am the resurrection. Do you believe? Jesus offers this life, not for when we pass, but for right now. Do you believe?